0: Morning, Park Community Church. Morning. morning. My name is Lee Grander. I get to serve as a pastoral resident here at Park, and it is my great joy to be with the family of God this morning. So, welcome. And it is also a great joy of mine to bring the Word of God from 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 18, to the people of God. So, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip through, or if you've got your phones, go ahead and make your way there. Meet me in God's Word this morning. And while you get there, let me just say that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. It endures forever. It is alive and it equips us for every good work. It gives us assurance of salvation and comes from the very mouth of the one true living God. Amen? Well, would you stand with me, those who are able, out of reverence for God's word this morning? 1 John 3, 11 through 18 reads this way. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was, e- who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. has the, words of the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed in truth. Church, this morning, the big idea from God's word is that genuine faith is evident by brotherly love. Genuine faith is evident by brotherly or sisterly love. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you, say, pour out your power and love. Holy, holy, holy. You are so good to us to draw us near God and to gather your people. Be with us this morning. Use your word to penetrate our hearts and change our lives forever. Give us a great revelation of who you are this morning. Remind us that you are near always. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's said of Napoleon that one day day when he was reviewing his army, his horse became frightened and the emperor let go of his reins. He lost control of the horse. And the horse ran away at full speed and the emperor's life was in great danger. He couldn't get a hold of the reins. But a private in the rank saw it and sprang out towards him. He was successful in getting hold of the the horse's head, even at a great risk of his own life. The emperor was pleased. Touching his hat, he said to him, I make you captain of my guard. The soldier didn't take his gun, he was so excited. He threw it aside and walked straight up. He got to where the bodyguard stood and the captain of the bodyguards looked at this new soldier and said, what are you doing here? Go away. I will not. I will not go. The the reigning uh, officer said, why not? Why will you not leave? He said, because I am captain of the guard. He was asked, who said? Who told you that you were captain of the guard? The new soldier pointed to the emperor and said, he said it. That was enough. Nothing more could be said. For the soldier took the emperor at his word. Church, God has declared his word that we have a new identity by faith in Christ. He says you are no longer children of wrath, but children of God, people of genuine faith. My prayer is that we will, like the soldier, take God at his word. And we have every reason to. Because he gives us more than the emperor gave the soldier. God not only declares that we have a new identity by faith in Christ. He declares that we were saved by his literal word. But also he says you can know. You can know that this is true by your love for one another. By your love for the brother and the sister. Genuine faith is evident by brotherly love. It is my hope. And the intention of God for his people this morning to know that their faith is genuine. Not to be led astray, even by themselves, but to remain confident that their faith is genuine. Throughout 1 John, the epistle writer, John, is pastorally caring for the people of God. Reminding them the basics of the Christian faith in a time when false teachers, sheep among wolves were attempting to deceive the people of God. They were attempting to deceive the people of God from what they had originally heard. Throughout the epistle, it's God's desire that children would know that they are saved. And our passage this morning comes right after God says, or right after John, excuse me, says, it is evident who has been born of God and who has been born of the devil earlier in chapter 3, specifically stating that the children of God, that is those with genuine faith, love their brother. I should make something pretty clear as I continue through the text. While John says love of the brother, he also means sisters and brothers, the family of God. So when you hear me say brother, I'm not just preaching to all my brothers. I'm not ignoring my dear sisters. Hear me say both. As we dig into the text, we will look at three certainties that John lays out. And the first one is this, that genuine faith is not marked by murder or hate of the brother. If you look with me in verse 11, John starts by saying the original message, the true gospel, the certain command is that we love one another. Here he is primarily talking about the love of one's Christian brother and sister, which John has in mind. So as I say love for one another, throughout this sermon I mean love for the children of God. Other places God in scripture has commanded that the children of God love their neighbor as their self. But here, John is specifically emphasizing the love of the children of God. In order to contrast what genuine faith is, John reminds the reader of what non-genuine faith looks like, namely through Cain. John is showing Cain as the archetype of hate, the murderer, and directing our attention back to Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, where we get the story of Cain. It reads like this, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of the flock, and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but but for Cain... And his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, church, ask with me the big question. Why does Cain murder his brother? This is an important question because the Bible asks it. Look at verse 12. After John says that we should not be like Cain, John says, why did he murder him? The answer is because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. The answer is because Cain was jealous continue to ask the big question, and we're going to keep doing this till we get down to the root. Why was Cain jealous? Why would Cain be jealous? Well, in Genesis 4-5, it says Cain was angry because he had no regard. He was not looked upon with favor from the Lord, while God did look with favor on Abel and his offering. Cain was jealous because he wasn't looked upon with favor from the Lord while his brother was. But continue with me, church. Why would God, look at Abel with favor and not Cain. Well, Hebrews 11.4 plainly says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Don't miss it, church. It wasn't the gift itself that was commended to Abel as righteousness, but it was his faith. It was Abel's faith. The gift was just merely a reflection of his faith, his trust, or his love of God. Abel gave the best, the best of the best, the first fruits and the fatty portion, while Cain's gift was just some fruit of the ground. Again, it's not the gift itself that was counted to Abel as righteousness, but it was his faith. And by the way, we shouldn't be surprised at all. This seems to be the trend throughout the Bible. If we think about Genesis 15, Abraham's belief in God was counted to him as righteousness or his faith in God was counted to him as righteousness. And that theme continues. But back to the big question. Why did Cain murder his brother? Because he was jealous that he did not receive favor from the Lord for his faithlessness. And could not stand seeing Abel receive favor from God. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Church, this is a cut to the heart and we need to make sure we know this. God doesn't find favor in faithlessness. We need to check our hearts by asking us honest and tough questions. Are we giving money even to the work of the kingdom because we want to appear righteous? Or because we trust that God is worth it? Are we giving our time to volunteering to be part of the church's in crowd? Or are we doing it because we trust that God is worth getting up early and putting in the extra hours? Are we telling others that they should come to church because we know we ought to as Christians? Or do we tell people to come to church because we know that the church is presenting the gospel message of God that has the power to save the souls of men and women from eternal death to eternal life, to redeem the relationship of men and women with their heavenly Father? Are we going through the motions because we know we ought to? Or are we living by faith taking hold of the life that is truly life, experiencing the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, rejoicing in the God of our salvation. If we are living faithless lives, we are not finding favor from God, and we will fall into the cycle of Cain. Faithlessness will produce jealousy of those who have received favor from God, and jealousy will lead to anger, and anger to hate and hate to murder according to verse 15, hate and murder both show that eternal life is not abiding with you. Church, the stem of murder, hate, anger, and jealousy is faithlessness. But church, know this too. It's important that those who are going through the motions, those who are faithless, those who hate and murder are not necessarily banned forever from eternal life, But the point of verse 15 is the murderer, the person who has hate of the children of God, is is that they're currently not abiding in eternal life. They're currently abiding in death. But the good news in verse 14 is that all men who have eternal life abiding in them at one time passed out of death into life. There is hope. A murderer or person who hates the children of God cannot be marked by genuine faith at all because there is only faithlessness in the person's heart. Rather, genuine faith is evident by brotherly love. The second certainty that John is laying out in the scripture is that there is an assurance of salvation which is evident by brotherly or sisterly love. Before showing that brotherly and sisterly love is evident of genuine faith, it's important to know what love is. It's important to know what love is because people have been looking for it for years. Just to name a quick example, back in the 80s, we've been having artists and songwriters writing about this. Foreigners saying in the 80s, I want to know what love is. In the 90s, Hathaway asked the question, what is love? And after 2000s, Mariah Carey actually brought back Foreigner's Song because people are still seeking to know what love is. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. God's word is clear. That love is expressed in Jesus, laying down his life for us. This is the ultimate act of love throughout history that shows us who God is, for God is love. This ultimate act of Jesus laying down his life changes everything. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped down from heaven and walked among us, coming in the form of humility as a child. He came not to serve, but to be served. Romans 8, 3 starts saying, Jesus came in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but the spirit. Jesus, fulfilling the law in perfect obedience, walked this earth in all righteousness, but laid it down because of us. Because we, sinful man, were in deep spiritual need. Why? We are in need of redemption or restoration with our relationship between us and God. We have sinned. We have tarnished our relationship with God completely. How? How? We tarnished our relationship by turning away from the God who made us. And rather, we've turned to ourselves and named ourselves gods. We've named the creation God. We've named the desires in our hearts God. We've pulled them out and worshiped them. We were made to worship, but to worship God. Rather, we've worshiped Ourselves, things, and desires. And for this, we're liable to the righteous and just wrath of God. Jesus laying down his life in his self sacrifice on the cross, the brutalizing wrath that he endured was not to be just a demonstration of love, but to accomplish the redemption for our souls. That's love. So that we can enjoy every joy of being restored in a relationship with God who created us because that's what God's desire is. That's why he created us, for love's sake, that we could enjoy his love and glorify him. Jesus came so that we might be made right with God, adopted as sons and daughters of the king, made us heirs, granted us fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit so that we could take hold of the life that is truly life. The one we were made for. He took the wrath of our sin and credits us righteousness expressing genuine, when we express genuine faith in him. He's done it so that one day we can stand before before the throne of God on the day of judgment saying, he washed me white as snow. This is love. The ultimate act of God revealing who he is to us. In sticking with John's tactic of contrast, it's essential that I mention what love is not. While God is love, love is not God. God is love, but love is not God. The problem with love being God is that God becomes whatever we think love is. Whatever the artist or songwriter say about love generally becomes what we think. Love is which affects the way that God is viewed. We could say, I love you, and merely just be infatuated by the way a person looks. And we'd be fooling ourselves and thinking that God is actually infatuated with us. I could say, I love you, when you give me a material item, and fool myself to think that God just wants us to have everything we desire. But church, that's not love at all. Rather, God is love. He expressed what love is in the ultimate act of God, revealing himself to us through Christ, namely by him laying down his life for us. Because of God's great love for us and by faith in Christ, we are given a new identity as children of God. Through faith, we have not just seen or heard God's love, but we have experienced all that it is And what it has accomplished in us. Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. We are children of God. We are not just individually in a relationship with God either. We are a part of God's family. Brothers and sisters around the world who are united by faith in Christ. Christ who now lives and reigns in our hearts. Because we are children of God, we take on the characteristics of our Father. Because we are children of God, we take on the characteristics of our Father. We identify ourselves with Christ as we love in the way that he loved. Brotherly and sisterly love is simply a reflection of how God loves us. It is identifying with Christ, becoming more like him. And as we become more like Christ, namely in the way that we love one another... We can be assured that our lives have been transformed by the power of God. We can be assured of our salvation. Assured that our faith is genuine. Reflecting God's love means there's sacrifice. Where we will say now, what is mine I laid down for the sake of others who are in need. But it is more than sacrifice. It is a great joy. We joyfully get to join God in taking care of his children, our brothers and our sisters. Love for the brother is a result of a transformed life. And it gives us great assurance of our salvation. Great assurance that our faith is genuine. So that we could say genuine faith is evident by brotherly love. Finally, in John's third certainty in the text is that God certainly wants us to continue in brotherly love. Look with me in verse 17 through 18. John does two things in his conclusion. He states that there is a very practical way of loving our brother and sister and encourages us to continue in brotherly love in deed and in truth. Not many of us are called to lay down our lives in some deed of heroism. And John recognizes that. So he gives us an example of what we will constantly have an opportunity for. Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? While John is certainly calling out those false teachers, the sheep among wolves, saying, if you're not acting like God, you can't be God's children. He's also saying... This is a very practical way of what it looks like to lay down our life for the children of God or for one another. So here it is. A theologian said that love is the willingness to surrender that which has value in our own life. To enrich the life of another. I think this is accurate when we reflect on God surrendering his only Son, who is unfathomably valuable, to enrich the lives of us who might believe through faith. And here's the other challenging question that we need to wrestle with as a church. Are we willing to surrender or sacrifice that which has value in our own lives for the sake of others, or are we only willing to surrender or sacrifice things that really are of no value to us? Are we okay giving the scraps? Are we okay getting rid of the things that are leftovers that we don't need anyway? Or are we actually laying down the things that are valuable to us when we see others in need? If we aren't willing to surrender that which is of value in our own lives to enrich the lives of another, it is right to question if God's love abides in you. But church, my prayer is that we would continue to have faith like Abel and act like the church in Acts too. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they shared with anyone who was in need. This is an act of surrendering what is valuable and a reflection of men and women's lives who had genuine faith. Who had genuine faith. I'm praying that I and we would not be those who just love in word or talk. I'm praying that we would not just say we are willing to surrender what is valuable to us in order to enrich the lives of others, but we would, indeed and in truth, act in light of God's great love he has shown to us. Church, as I was preparing and praying for this morning, I was deeply encouraged by many of you. I was encouraged of the thought that my church is living this out. I've been able to see people make sacrifices amongst us to stay in the neighborhood for the sake of the gospel, because God has called them here at great cost to themselves I have heard of people making great sacrificial giving donations for the sake of God being proclaimed, which has spurred me on. I have heard of people and seen people sacrificing their valuable time for the sake of loving each other, for the sake of comforting those who needed to be comforted, mourning with those who, who were mourning hospital visits, home visits, late night calls, loving through difficult relationships, serving the least and the last and the poor. There were so many examples that encouraged me, that made me say I am grateful to be a part of God's church. So many examples that made my heart stand up, as my friend says. I'm grateful to be part of a church who on a weekly basis reminds me That God is worth sacrificing what I find valuable for the sake of my brother because God has done that for me. Church, let us continue to love our brother and sister in a way that reflects God's great love for us. In closing, know that God's intention is that his children know that they have eternal life. How can we be sure? How do we know that God wants us to have this confidence? In, in 1 John 5.13, God's word says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Because God has put eternity into our hearts, we continue to seek for peace, peace with God. 1 John is a letter written to you, children of God, that you would be at peace with God confident in your salvation with tangible ways to remind yourself. Genuine faith is marked by brotherly and sisterly love. That is one of the ways that we can remind ourselves. We can check ourselves but remind ourselves that our faith is genuine and our salvation is secure. For those of you who are not at peace but recognize that God has put eternity on your hearts. For those of you who are going through the motions, walking in faithlessness, or not willing to surrender what is of value to you for the sake of enriching others' lives as a reflection of God loving us, I plead with you. Take a moment to pray. Come up to the front after a service and pray with a deacon. Spend time on your knees before the Lord and ask him ask him to reveal himself, confess that you're in the wrong, ask for forgiveness and experience the joy and freedom you will have in a relationship with your heavenly father as you cry out, Jesus paid it all. Church, continue in brotherly love. Be reminded that is by your love that everyone will know that you're a disciple of Jesus. It is by this love that others will want to be a part of the fellowship with God's church and more importantly, the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you have continued to pursue us. We're so grateful that you haven't just left us wondering if our faith is genuine or if our salvation is secure, but you've given us confidence. You've let us know that brotherly love is a way to understand that we have been transformed by the power of God, that we can have confidence that our faith is genuine and our salvation is secure so that we might be free to live in the way that you have called us, to live freely in response to how good you are, Father we give you all praise this morning and pray that you would continue to reassure our hearts, continue to be greater than our hearts and reassure us, Father, those, your children, that we may have confidence that our faith is genuine through brotherly love. We love you and pray in Jesus' name.